Um, performance is a version of fear. It's fear of failure. Fear of man is disgusting to the Lord. Galatians 1.10 says that if you have the fear of man in you, you cannot be a servant of Christ. Period. No exclusions. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Hi, everybody. I uh, was with a group of about oh, 40 or 50 uh, men, did a little overnight camping this weekend, and I was given the opportunity to speak to them and share them some things that were on my heart that I think God is doing right now. It's all um, in, the, in the vein of reestablishing us as his disciples. Um, I've written about this before, that is taking the authority for what uh, God wants done in the city from a church standpoint and removing that from the organizations and putting it back into homes. It's along those lines. Um, I don't think that can really happen until we're properly aligned as his disciples and that, uh, you know, sonship and authority and responsibility all kind of are baked in the same cookie. And so I wanted to talk to to uh, my my friends a little bit about being properly aligned as sons who are being matured into disciples by our father. So that's what I talked about. Um, we recorded it, so it's going to sound like a bunch of guys sitting by a fire because that's what it was. But uh, I thought it might be valuable for somebody out there. There's eternal principles in there that are straight from the scriptures and they apply everywhere. So here it is me addressing the guys out in Alexandria, Kentucky um, this past weekend. Bless you all, and uh, I hope this blesses you. And then over time, maybe you could work with us a little bit, and we could send a little less, and be good guys. And maybe we have the unbelievable crazy opportunity we might be able to tell one other person about Jesus before we die and that's not his plan at all for you um, so I want to talk a little bit about God's uh, his plan what he's what he's trying to do in you and what he wants to do in me and I know that making cinnamon rolls in that Dutch oven is part of his plan. Are you kidding me? Yes. Um, I think a lot of us are familiar with the paradigm that God wants us born again. He wants to increase our faith so that we, we put our faith in the unseen world over what our eyes can see, that we'd actually see the unseed world as primary. And we'd think that what happens here materially is secondary. We understand that he wants to increase our skills, 
that he wants me to lead my family and maybe I'll do a good job and maybe I can hold on tight until the Lord comes back and then hooray. And I, I, I just want us to understand the, the biblical process of what he's actually doing with us. So, um, I'll just start with the, 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 the concept of sonship scripturally. And by the way, uh, I'll also tease this in saying, if we don't understand this, we don't understand what freedom is in the Lord. And let me just say there's a lie going around that freedom, the freedom that Jesus brings is the ability to do whatever you want. That's a lie. The freedom that Jesus brings is that he gives you the ability to obey the Lord. That's what freedom is. So, um, we're constrained by his will. Paul says, the love of Christ constrains me. It compels me. That means it puts me into a very narrow lane. His, His love... And freedom in him, all that means is that I'm no longer bound by the sins of the past, my unbelief, or my lack of faith, so that I can walk forward in the things that he's called me to. I don't waste my time on um, uh, questioning myself or self-interest, because when he speaks to me, no matter what he tells me to do, I just go, I'm free to go pursue his will without any misgivings. That's what freedom is. Um, no matter what anybody tells you, freedom is is bound with your ability to obey him. Um, so, <clears throat> the, I don't talk about uh, uh, Bible translation languages very often, but there's there there are five words that are all, that all get translated as sons when we read the bible five different greek words they're all translated as sons um if you if you care i'll tell you what they are um one one is napios and napios refers to infancy so um, you, you're familiar with uh, Paul saying, we don't want to be infants anymore. We want to feed on meat. Um, James says, you'll no longer be infants tossed to and fro by every whim of teaching. Because you, under, you, you, you develop, <clears throat> as you grow up, and you're not a baby anymore, you develop a, a, an understanding of God's ways so that you have a kind of a framework of his ways. And when somebody starts teaching you nonsense, you, you go, that's not his ways. I'm not going to be swayed by this wind of teaching. And there is a wind of teaching that's rocking and rolling and, and making plenty of money right now in the United States. And infants are, are swayed by it. I'll just go on. Um, there's... Paideon is, um, is, is sort of toddler, 
child world. Technon is the is the word for um, a sort of a, a, an adolescent, a teenager. I'm gonna skip. I'm gonna skip one that I'm talk about at greater length, and then finally that the final stage of sonship and you don't think of this as sonship but it is the final stage of sonship is when you're a father and you become pater and your your father i say this to my dad my my dad has said to me i'm done i'm done with you i don't have anything left with you and i say dad you're still teaching me all the time because i don't know how to be a grandfather you're teaching me, you're showing me how to be grandfather. I don't know what it looks like to be retired. I, my dad shares the gospel on the golf course. He's, you know, he's like showing me what it's like to be his age and to deal with aging gracefully. And he's very, you know, my dad was an athlete, so he's very upfront about his frustrations with aging. And I like, I, I want to hear that stuff. I want to hear it, dad. Talk to me. Um, and so in, in the natural I have reached this pater stage of sonship where he's talking to me about fathering. Well, the, the, okay. So, so, so these five stages of sonship, uh, I, I, I want to stress to you all, this isn't, um, this isn't a metaphor that I'm, I'm bringing to you or you could go, well, you could think of your growth in Christ in this way. That's not, I'm telling you how God thinks of your growth in him. I'm, t- I'm telling you that he thinks of it this way. And as, as we have heard Brian Tome say many times, you could be 60 years old and be napios because you haven't learned the lessons that God wants you to, to learn. And so he, he's going to continue to treat you as a napios or maybe as a paideon. And yet you, in your ignorance... You'll hear somebody give a message on being grown up and making disciples. And you'll think, yeah, that's, I'm going to make disciples. And God is shaking his head going like, you don't even know how to eat food. What what, what are you, what are you thinking about that for? And, and I, I want to, um, touch on, there's a lot of things that David said last night that actually, um, turned my crank and um one of them was his mention of authority and uh, david is exactly right in that we we know that collectively along with all the saints that we are corporately christ in the earth and and i think that we've kind of uh, as a as a ministry crew, as a MASH team, I think we're getting our heads around that collectively we we have authority that we honestly in the flesh have no business having. That he's given us, he's given us collectively authority that's, that's frankly shocking. Right, Stevie? Oh, yeah. Yes. But... I want you to understand that you individually don't have all of the authority that the church corporately has. And the amount of authority that you walk in spiritually is 100% part and parcel with what stages of growth you've gone through in your relationship with the Lord. So it's a, it's a bummer 
it's super frustrating that we have, uh, I don't know who you listen to. You can listen to, to teachers like Bill Johnson, who will talk about our great authority, and it sounds exciting. And those things are actually contingent on whether you've obeyed him or not. You don't just, you don't just get to show up and you have all authority. So, so um, David mentioned this verse last night. It was really interesting because just this week, maybe it was last week, and, and within the last 10 days, David Sheldon has, has said to me, you know, I, I'm thinking about the verse that says, the prayers of a righteous man are effective. And, he, and, and this is David talking. And I just feel like my prayers, they aren't, they aren't always that effective. So I'm asking the Lord, how do I become a righteous man? Like, oh, snap. I think we got the Lord's attention with that question. Instead of going like, well, God's not coming through on his promise because I know I'm righteous. So, uh, you know, where, where's the, he needs to come through in the effectiveness of prayers. No, no, no. It's as true as water goes downhill that the prayers of a righteous man are effective, powerful and effective. That, that is not something God has to come through on. It's like gravity. He's already set it in motion. It'll happen. It happens. So I saw in, I saw in my One New Man Bible this week that um, it, it, it's very helpful for defining terms to me that righteous means there's no... There's no room for criticism in your thoughts or behavior that they're all upright. That's a righteous man. Well, shoot. Then now, now it seems like it's only by God's mercy that any of my prayers have any effect whatsoever because he's willing to overlook a whole lot of sin. But I know that it's God's plan for us that we would become that man. That's why this man is described to us in such detail. L- look at Psalm 112, and it describes a righteous man. And the outrageous promises are made to, to this righteous man. I mean, from financial to spiritual to ev- everything you can think of will just suck up to this man magnetically. <clears throat> So, so two, I think two things can be offensive uh, uh, or mistaken. Usually, well, if, if we looked at each of these words, you can actually look at, you, you could look this up. Go to your Blue Letter Bible and go, where is the word paideon used? Look at all of those scriptures and you can come up with a list of sins that are common to that life stage. It'll tell you. It'll, I just told you one. If, if your doctrine gets blown around all the time by whoever's teaching you, wow, he was really good. He's a very charming speaker. I think he's changed my beliefs on what the Bible says. Okay, That's, that might be a knock on you because you, you let charm and giftedness affect your doctrine instead of God's word shaping your doctrine. That, okay, that, that's a nappy-ass move. I can actually slot you into something based on the, the sins that you fall prey to. Technon. Think of a teenager. So there will be moments, there will be moments when you're killing it. 
wow, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing God's spirit. I was at Starbucks and God told me something about that girl sitting at that table. And I was able to intercede about her. And I know I was in agreement with what God's spirit was saying because I heard him so clearly. You have those moments? No, never. He has these moments all the time. <laughs> Where God is, God, God is... I mean, I'm exiting stage left. I mean, <laughs> Stephen has this experience of um, pu- pulling up to a, a truck at the subway, and God tells him something about this guy behind the wheel of this truck. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he shares the gospel with this guy, and it's amazing. He gave his life to Jesus. It's amazing. Now, the amount of we know this. Everyone, please nod your heads like you already know this. We know that your giftedness has nothing to do with your maturity level. And we know that having, seeing spiritual power also is no affirmation of your, of your maturity level. But we want to become mature, right? Yes. We have this ambition to become mature. So as I was saying, there's, there's two ways that things can be wrong or Maybe, I think, maybe offensive to the Lord. So I was with a guy this week, um, and I, I have, I, I struggle with, with um, having some version of performance or anxiety when I'm going to share with a group like this, because I really want it to be God's word. Oh, God. oh Lord. And um, Lord tells me to calm down sometimes, but. I was with a guy this week, and, th- and this conversation set- settled it for me what, what, what we should consider this morning. Because this guy, uh, I, wish, I wish you knew his story. I, I, you don't run across guys like this very often, where he starts telling me his life story, and I just go, I'm just sitting there thinking, you have been radically obedient to the Lord over 30 years. How, how do I not? I've never heard your name. I don't know who you are. And this guy has been radically obedient for 30 years. And he's telling me about the Lord sending him around the world and about meeting his wife and about the Lord gave him a job that he wasn't qualified for. And then he gave him two promotions that he wasn't qualified for. And then he gave him more money than he had any business. And, and this guy's attitude about the whole thing was God's just done all this for me. I, I, I've had nothing to do with this. And he was, and he presented himself in humility as if, um, as if he was still a dumb, dumb and his problem, the reason he wanted to talk to me his problem was, I have many ministry opportunities that sit in front of me right now, and I'm confused. And the reason I'm confused is because when I pray, he's learned to hear the, the Lord's voice over, over this many years of following him. And I, uh, here's the big secret for prophetic insight. You really want to learn how to learn the, hear the voice of God? Obey him. That's the best way to know how how to hear God's voice, obey him. When you obey God, you will demonstrate to him, if you'll speak to me, not a word of yours will go wasted. And God will make it really clear to you what his will is. And if you drag your feet, and he has to tell you five or six times, I asked you to do this, I don't know, you're not doing it, okay, I'm gonna tell you again, Let's don't do this, children. 
eventually we can see in passages like Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10, there's some point at which the Lord may say to you, I'm done trying with you because you don't obey me. If you want prophetic insight, just obey him. It's not really that hard. This guy had learned that over the years. So he hears the Lord's voice very well. And he said, I, I've prayed asking, asking God about all these different ministry opportunities. And every time I pray, I get a green light. So he described this ministry opportunity, it's a green light. Prayed, prayed about this ministry, God's given me a green light. Here's a completely different thing that would take up my whole life to do this thing. And God's given me a green light. And he came to me distraught and said, now, you don't, you don't think he wants me to do all of these things. I can't, I literally cannot do all of these things. What, what do you think it means? And, I, and I, I said, well, it seems clear to me that he's graduating you through the stages so that when you're a child, imagine raising children, you guys that have kids, you know that you don't ask a three-year-old what they want to wear today. You say you're wearing this today. You don't say, now, what, would, you like, would you like to eat broccoli today? You say, you're eating broccoli today. And if you cry about it, I'm giving you a spanking because you're going to eat broccoli today. So I'm, I'm dictating your life for you. Now, if your 20-year-old comes to you and says, Daddy, should I eat broccoli today? You, you look at him sideways. What's wrong with you? I, oh, I, you can... We're at the buffet line, you can get whatever you want. I've raised you to know that in a day's time, you need to have a certain amount of leafy greens. You can see the options in front of you. I don't know, make, make a choice. So I think two things can be weird. So with this guy, very rare thing. I don't know if I've ever said this to a guy because this almost never is the case. But this guy was confused because the Lord is giving him the authority to choose. So the Lord is saying to them, they're all green lights for you, son. Do whatever you want. Psalm 18, 19 says, He has led me out into a spacious place. And he rescued me because he delighted in me. So we know that David understood from Psalm 23 that he takes me to the valley of the shadow of death. We know that entering the kingdom is a very narrow gate. We know that you have to come in through the, through the shepherd. It's a narrow way. There's no other way to get in. And then you find that once you've done this narrowing thing where he actually dictates your, well, here's what you're going to eat today. I'm telling you this verse. You, this is your verse today. Obey it. I don't have any other word to say to you today. Obey this thing that I'm telling you to do. You don't know how to speak to your wife in kindness. This is the only word. I'm not saying anything else to you. Speak to her in kindness. You don't know how to discipline your child correctly. Your child, your, your child is out of order. I'm not saying anything else to you until you obey this. There's this narrowing thing that he does with us. And then in maturity, we find ourselves in a spacious place. And he goes, now what do you want to build? So... That's a very rare upside downness that that I saw in that guy this week where he was talking to the Lord and expecting the Lord to treat him like a, like a paideon when he's much more mature than that. 
And so I, I told him, well, I think it's time for you to let go of this childish thoughts of yours that the Lord's going to tell you everything to do. My, my earthly father now doesn't tell me everything to do. I, I actually ask him for leadership advice once a year. Mostly I'm just telling him what I'm doing and he's hitting me on the back and going, great, I'm all for it. Sounds great. Um, but the more common way that this gets upside down is that you and I strut around like we've been handed the keys to the kingdom. Like we're adult, mature sons that every great promise in the scriptures, I know I get to have it right now. And then we walk around frustrated. Now, why didn't I really see that? I, I mean, I'm saying that I get it because Joyce Myers told me that I have it. So I feel, but, but why, why aren't I getting this? Why, why, aren't, why aren't I seeing this? It's because you're still a technon. You're still a napios. You haven't let the Lord train you and dictate to you the food that you're going to eat, the way that you're going to walk, the clothes that you're going to wear. And I, I mean all of this as practically as I can. I mean, there, there have been, I'm just thinking of my life. I didn't understand any of this stuff until about five years ago. But I can look back and go, there were times in my life where the Lord told me when I could eat. There were times in my life when the to Lord told me what to wear. He, he, he's inserted himself in extremely, uh, treated me like a child. And, and I'm, you know, if you haven't heard this before, if you don't let him treat you like a child, you'll never graduate into manhood. Because he's starting with nothing with you. <laughs> I don't care how successful you've ever been outside of the Lord. He's starting at zero with you when you come into the kingdom. Again, this isn't a metaphor. I'm using the metaphor of you growing up physically. This isn't a metaphor. I'm telling you how the Lord thinks of you. This is how he thinks of you. He does think of you in one of these categories. Uh, some of you know my, my, my farm, my big army farm dream, which is the, kind of the background of, of MASH stuff where I kind of saw man camp years before it happened. And in that dream, the Lord put me in a category. He actually showed me five buckets in front of me. And then he showed me I was in the third bucket. And I was like, what if I'm in fourth or fifth bucket? And he's like, you're not in the fourth or fifth bucket. Oh, you're in this third bucket. And he, he actually described to me, I knew what the buckets meant in the dream. And the third bucket, by the way, that he put me in was somebody who's willing to give up all of his possessions for the kingdom. I thought, gold star, right? I mean, we're done, we're done aren't we? He's like, no. And he described to me the fourth and fifth buckets, which... These, the first three buckets, I totally understood. And these were about obedience, letting the Lord deal with you. The fourth and fifth buckets, I have very little understanding of, except that the Lord told me, these people have nothing in their lives but living for me. He's like, you don't understand what that is. Oh, okay. So I, I, want, I, I, I want you to understand how the Lord thinks of you and how he, how he deals with you. 
most of us have presumed incorrectly a level of obedience, a level of maturity that we've never obeyed him into. And so we don't get the benefits of that level. But we just assumed, i look around at the losers around me. I'm more impressive than these guys. I obey him. They, they don't even, I don't pursue him at all. Great. You could be pursuing him with everything in you and be at Napios because he wants to graduate you through these levels. And so comparison and the fear of man and all that is just it's terrible. It's not helpful at all. Don't do that. If you want to compare your life to something, you compare your life to Jesus on earth, compare your life with the scriptures and go, where do I stand here, Lord? Not how am I doing with the ding-dongs beside me? So um, I want to talk about that, that fourth stage that I haven't mentioned. But before I do, let's have a little reactions. really understand like last night one of my things and I'm sure several other guys were kind of like down, downloading some of their marriage stuff and or shortcomings like working out your salvation so I know that he's speaking to me really specifically in that area but I'm I'm still like a toddler great point Paul that just reminds me that for instance Do you think that you're going to... I think we think if we hold on and wait long enough, the sky is going to break through. And the Lord will just give us graduations just because we hung around. There's specific suffering that Paul Argenta is going to have to go through in his marriage to reach the level that the Lord wants for him. And I'm using that word very choicefully. There's specific suffering that he's going to have to go through. <coughs> and if he isn't willing to go through that suffering, he's not going to see it. <coughs> we think <coughs> we all do this. The Bible talks about this. This is human. This isn't human. I mean, this isn't sin necessarily. It's just human. We all pray for something. We pray for it twice and feel like superstars for praying about it twice. <clears throat> Don't see it, give up, move on to the next thing. You're not going to become a world-class prayer until you learn to endure in prayer. It's not happening. You're not gonna get a magical graduation just, just because of tenure. You're going to have to go through the pain of enduring in prayer before you get a graduation in your prayer life. Is this making sense? <clears throat> so there's specific suffering that he has planned for you. You can look at what the Lord said about Paul. I will show him what he must suffer for my name. Anyways, that... that tip that off to me. Yes, the Lord is dealing with Paul in his marriage. And 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 you know, you know who's going to decide what what level of glory Paul sees in his marriage? Paul. 
Peter Lord made me so, I really love Peter Lord, made me so mad years ago when he said, <clears throat> the only person that will decide what your level of intimacy is with the Lord is you. I thought, well, hey, easy, easy there, Peter. It's, it's, I'm here. I, I'm here, man. I'm open. I'm just waiting for the Lord to open the skies for me. I mean, I'm here. I'm ready. No way. Any other thoughts? Dotson, what are you thinking? Actually, I'm just sitting here replaying the last year that I've gone through and how many times I've sat and looked at a lot of you guys and just pulled my heart out. Oh, I thought you wanted me to stand up. I was like, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not, no, I just was rethinking this last year and how much things have changed and how I've looked a lot of you guys in the eyes and poured out my heart in tears over my marriage and now how things are shifting and how much suffering my wife and I have had to go through to get to this point. And so I'm just doing some self-reflection here. You know, a mentor of mine told me, Dave, and you may have heard me say this before, he said, you can only move at the speed of your own obedience. That's right. And uh, this year, this year I've really kind of been focused on that. And it's been, it's been very interesting. The Lord has told me, you need to load the dishwasher because that's how you show your wife that you love her. And I, I've heard a lot of people talk about the marriage thing. I was telling Stephen last night that this year has been probably one of the best years of my marriage because I've had so many opportunities to practice. You know, I, I made a joke last night that I learned that if the dishwasher is empty, the cup doesn't go in the sink. It goes in the dishwasher. Uh -huh. I know. Oh. <laughs> Let me write that down. Yeah. Could you come over and teach my kids? Uh -huh. <laughs> but I mean, it's, but it, but it, but it, in doing that, it has paid off in our marriage, in my wife and I's marriage, and we have grown closer and we have grown uh, more in tune with one another. Um, and so, like. That that's something that's been very, you know, you hear these crazy stories that I tell, and a lot of it is just because there's no hesitation in it. Like, I'm like, oh, well, okay, maybe, I, I take the stance of it's probably God, but it might be me, and I'm okay if I'm wrong. Yeah, I, Stephen, my reaction is, uh, <clears throat> I'm still processing that he's my good father my perfect father right and that i am a son let alone which facet of son and so i think first receiving that i am a son and he's a perfect father i'm still getting there yes <clears throat> that's a great great point <clears throat> I think, this is just me trying, trying to connect the dots scripturally. 
I think it's either a Pideon, that's the that's the childhood, or it's or it's a Technon, <clears throat> that's the sort of teenager <clears throat> stage. I think it's either a Pideon or a Technon quality that you believe the following. This has just just been on my mind this week. <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm, I'll make it sound like I have dreams all the time. I don't, but I, I had an, another meaningful dream in my life. Was the Lord showed me that I was I was with my friend <clears throat> Mark Douglas. We were at a candy store. We walked into the candy store and the Lord was the shopkeeper of the candy store. And he had these huge jars of candy sitting on the counter and he told us, you can have whatever you want. And I reached in and pulled out um, some candy from one of the jars and the candy was Acts 2, 24 and 25. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like David, it's happened to me a couple of times where the Lord you know, the Lord is really familiar with the addresses of the verses in the Bible. <laughs> and so he has done this a couple times where he gives me passages. I don't know the passage. And then you go look at it and go, holy moly. And those verses are a quote from, I think it's, I think it's uh, Psalm 63, where David said, I always saw the Lord before me. And because you are always at my right hand, I will never be shaken. Now, the word always and never is in that verse. I think it's a technon activity that you become utterly convinced to the bottom of your shoes that the Lord is with me. He's not, he's not checking the way the wind blows to see if he's going to be for me or against me today. He's with me and I'm his son and he's never going to let me go because I'm in a covenant with him that's based on blood, not my blood and not my activity, not even my level of obedience. I'm in a covenant with him. You must pass this test of believing that he is for you at all times because I can promise you, you will go through suffering where his presence will feel very far from you. You can look at Hebrews 5 as it describes suffering. You know the passage that talks about when he's disciplining you. It says, it says point blank in that passage, it doesn't feel like the kingdom of God when he is dealing with you. It feels like this is just doo-doo. This isn't about God at all. God's nowhere near this. You can't think that because a, one of your technon beliefs is that the Lord is always before me. And because he's always at my right hand, I will never be shaken. So no matter what's happening in your life, you can go, oh, this is my father who is developing me. So it's not an accident. Um, Scott's gone through this, this crappy uh, um, legal matter in his work recently. 
And he could go, well, that's just work. I just got to get my head around it. Or he could say, I'm in a development program with the Lord. He must want me to understand this lesson that I have to deal with legal matters as a professional to get to where he wants me to go. Okay, so I've been drum rolling towards this, to this fourth stage. It's a very important stage. It's the, I think it's the thing. It's what he dreams of when he thinks of you is this stage. The way when he's treating you as a Napios, as a Technon, as a Pideon, he's dreaming of this stage. I don't even think, he, I've become, this is a theory, a working theory of mine. I, I don't think he sweats Pater stage. I don't actually think he even sweats you making disciples as much as he wants you to be a mature son because mature sons make disciples and they have babies. So I, I think the mature son thing is what he dreams about and, and I, can, I can back that up scripturally. So this, this fourth stage <clears throat> is called huios, H-U-I-O-S, huios. This is, this is a mature son. Now there's a graduation ceremony. There's a graduation ceremony for becoming a huios and it's actually played out in Psalm 2. So I'll, I'll, I'll start with the, I'll just tell you Psalm 2. This is the quote, <clears throat> the, the Lord said to my Lord, you are my son Today I have become your father. Uh, that, that, that's, that was a mystery to me for a very long time. Can you say that again, Brad? Sure. The, the scripture says, <laughs> The Lord said to my Lord, You are my son, and today I have become your father. Oh, that's really weird. How did, how did, you be, how did I become your father today? It's because today you became my huios. And I have become your father in a whole different way. Our relationship has changed. So this is the bar mitzvah ceremony. You've become my huios, my adult, mature, entrusted son. And I have now become your father not in a way where I'm telling you what to wear and what to eat. I've become your father in a way that now we're doing the same things. And I'm showing you how I'm explaining to you the stuff that you're doing. So <clears throat> I learned this from Jeremy Pryor. Well, I was very happy for this insight. So in ancient um, Jewish, um, in ancient Jewish uh, life, you know that they, they lived in towns and um, the bar mitzvah ceremony was that uh, a father would take his son into the town square and he would make this declaration. This, everyone, this is my huios and declare this boy has now earned status. That was a signal to the entire town 
that now all of the authority that I, as the, the leader of the family business, carry when I go make deals at the butcher shop and at the blacksmith, now he carries exactly the same authority. He can go into any store and he can make deals on behalf of the family. And I want you to treat him as if it were me when I came into the store. He has my seal. He has the keys. And he is trusted as an adult. That's huios. Now you can understand much better what it was like when Jesus came up out of the water. And the father in front of the whole town said, this is my huios in whom I am so pleased. And now Jesus had gone through these stages. Was it an overnight process for Jesus, anyone? No. Oh, crap. It was a very long process for Jesus. Until the father said, I am now giving him this huios status. And now everywhere he goes, every single thing that he says, it's as if the Father in heaven said them. That's an incredible amount of authority. Incredible. And imagine the hubris and the stupidity of ding-dong Christians who haven't learned how to hear God's voice or obey him telling each other, well, you have the same authority that Jesus did when he came up out of the water. I heard, I heard that message. It's true of us collectively because we're Christ on the earth, but for you individually, it's 100% contingent upon whether you've obeyed him in the places that he's told you to obey him. Now, the, the exciting thing is, this is, the, this is the big, I could have said everything was to lead up to this verse. This is the exciting verse for me about the whole thing. Ready? Don't keep us waiting. All of creation waits in eager expectation for the huios of God to be revealed. Ever heard that verse? Creation waits for the sons of God to be revealed. Well, I'm a son of God, so watch up, creation. Here I am. No, 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 no. All of creation waits in eager expectation for the huios of God to be revealed. Because huios, the son that would operate on Jesus' level of obedience, having suffered the way that he suffered with total faith and total obedience, could walk up to any of these trees and one, wither them at a word, or tell them to cast themselves into the river. All of creation waits in eager expectation for the huios of God to be revealed. This is the drum roll of the ages, is that God has laid out this path. Look, I did it. I did it with this son of mine. He was supposed to be the firstborn of many huios, the firstborn among many huios. Again, let me go back to this ding-dong story that we've been told. Say yes to Jesus one time. Bump your butt. Obey occasionally. Drag, drag yourself around. Read a Bible verse occasionally. Try not to do damage to the people around you. See you when you die. 
on the other side. That's not the story. The story is he made a huias. He displayed it in Christ. He wants to bring many sons to glory. He's trying to take us all to this place. You don't understand that that's what he's trying to do with you. One, you will misunderstand what he's, what he's saying to you in any given moment. And you don't have his goal in mind for where he's taking you. Michael Shields talks about these different ways that the Lord deals with us. He certainly is the shepherd of the sheep to us. And when he calls our name as a sheep, the appropriate response is, Bah! And then he usually says something like, I want you to lay by this green. I want you to lay in this green field by these beautiful waters. We're, typically, we're okay with this invitation from the Lord. And we go, bah, sounds great. Sometimes he speaks to us as the captain of the hosts. And he says, attention. And we're supposed to go, yes, sir. And when he speaks to us as the captain of the host... There's nothing comforting in it. He couldn't care less how you feel. It's not what he's checking in on. He has a job for you to do. And he tells you what to do. And our, our problem is when he says to us, he says, attention, and we say, bah, in response. But we haven't learned how he's speaking to us. We haven't learned he's speaking to us in different ways. There's sometimes when he's speaking to us, come sit beside me. You, you need... I was kind of feeling that last night when I had you just pray for more of the Lord for each other. He sometimes he just want just come in here. I just let's just be together for a little bit. Sadly, that's the only way many of us want to hear from him. And if you don't let him speak to you as the captain of the host, I've got a job for you now. Go do it. Don't ask me any questions. Just do it. You're never going to grow up. So. Um, I, I, I'm sure that as I'm saying these things, I'm sure that the Lord is bringing to mind things that you know that he's requiring of you right now. He's, he's, he's got projects going on with every single one of us. He's got little building projects he's working on. And you're not going to mature to the next stage unless you can get this project that he's working with you on. He, he's working with me regarding how to submit gracefully to painful leadership. That's what he's dealing with with me. And guess what, guys? I, w- I wish he didn't have to teach me this lesson. I wish he'd go teach somebody else this lesson. Because you know what? I've learned a couple of lessons. I wish he'd just give me reps at the lessons that I've already got down. Because I think I'm pretty good at them. And I think I could kill it. He won't do that. He's going to go find the thing that you suck at and go, we're working on that this year. <laughs> Stephen Wilson's better at that. Get Stephen Wilson for that job. I'm not talking about Stephen Wilson. I'm talking about you. We're dealing with you right now. <clears throat> so I know that I could pair you up right now Maybe we should do this. I'll just let you do this on your own time. It would be great if you would tell a guy, here's what the Lord's working with me on right now. I know that this is, this is top line. This is what he's doing. It would be good for you to acknowledge those things so that you can take them seriously. Because, how can I say this with correct amount of urgency? 
your potential maturity with the Lord is on the line with how you're obeying right now in that thing. Or you can just bump your butt around the merry-go-round for the next 40 years. You'll decide. You'll decide whether you grow up or not. Um, so I could give you a few examples. The one that I wanted to hit, to me, this is this is somewhere at those early stages, is is what we do with fear. And I'm very interested in culture. I'm wrapping up, by the way. I'm very interested in culture. And and the number one thing that's happening right now is fear, stress, and anxiety in our culture. Sometimes it appears as anger or it can appear as backbiting or accusation. It's fear, stress, and anxiety. Those are all all words for fear. Uh, Shame is a version of of fear. Um, Worry is, of course, fear. Guilt is a form of fear. It's fear of the past. Um, Performance is a version of fear. It's fear of failure. Fear of man is disgusting to the Lord. Galatians 1.10 says that if you have the fear of man in you, you cannot be a servant of Christ. Period. No exclusions. Um, so I, I, just one, just one really basic question would be, is there any fear, is there any fear in your household at all among any members of your family? If there's any fear in your household, you've got a problem and, and you need to seek the Lord. You need to fast. You need to pray. You need to coach and cajole and encourage and beg and teach and correct. You got to get that out of your house. Where we're going with the Lord, fear, the, the absence of fear has to be as much of a given as I saw the Lord always before me. And because he is always at my right hand, I will never be shaken. Fear fear is the most, um, it's the most reiterated stronghold in the Bible. We're told, you might know this, we're told 365 times in the Bible not to fear. It's not appropriate for sons of God. It's not appropriate for their families. Um... That's pretty much all I got.